I'm recording. Carrie is recording. Carrie is recording. We're recording in a child's room in Maine. We're in Maine. We're in Maine. We tried to find a farmer's market. We spent all day looking for a farmer's market and I was not there. <laughs> I don't know. Before we recorded that, Quinn looked at me and she said, should we do main vibes? And that's apparently where emotionally main vibes live. You know, I I adore it. So, dear readers, if you're hearing, like, a different sound quality, we're fucking recording on vacation. We're doing site-specific immersive recording. It's, you should have to pay extra you should be so you know imagine you so this is, imagine this is a live show in fact it might be a live show considering matt and the kids are downstairs and they're we might listen we're going to get some as as if you're not familiar with that in general we can hear them they can hear us we're in um a baby's room in maine we are living our best lives which means that we've already eaten a lobster roll carrie bought some chowder that's for lunch do we put that back in the fridge by the way oh shit well, it's cold today. It's so cold. It's, Do we text Matt? Put it back in the fridge? Do, Do we? we I leave don't it know. Up for, leave it up for... You heat it anyway. So, like, it's starting to slowly heat. <laughs> and then it'll it's be ready like, for lunch in a few it's, like, hours. in a very... What is it about seafood? I feel so much more like, oh, it could go bad. Whatever. It was in a walk and Quinn and I are cats... I'm sorry. Matt is cat-sitting. Quinn and I are here in Maine. Mm-hmm. In this house... As you heard in a previous podcast, I said, can I come? And Quinn said, yes. And her wish is my command, and I'm here. And it's been rainy and cold, and this is right after New York was at, like, 100 degrees. So we're, like, cold, rainy, Gordon Fisherman, and it's kind of incredible. We love it. We're wearing cute sweaters all the time. I'm I've been putting on incredible lipstick sweater. every time we leave the house. You have been. I want to be very clear. My name is Carrie, and I don't have any kids, in case there's confusion. Oh, Carrie was um, disheartened to learn that a dear reader can Disheartened? Us. I was honored. How dare? I well, it does mean that you look old. Don't you think? And I look real young. <laughs> Where they were like, which is the mother? Which is the mother that's lost sleep? Can't tell. And it was Carrie. I mean, that must have hurt. Thank you. I am wearing my mom's sweatshirt right now. So I do... Like, I, like I've commented to you in person in real life. Like, I like... Eileen Fisher overlaws. I think I dress like a mom. And it says dress for the job you want. And I think, frankly, like, I'm already doing it. (laughs) I don't think you can say that you're wearing your mom's sweater right now. I think you can say you wear your mom's sweater on this trip. Because you, to be fair, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you haven't taken it off. Yesterday I did. Really? I wore a tie-dye sweatshirt. Okay. okay. Don't you remember? I wore a tie-dye sweatshirt and then I have this one. Oh, got it. There's two. And this one's warmer. It's bigger. The sleeves, like... Guys, we have some new Patreons (gasps) that I want to shout out. (gasps) This is about to get crazy because I don't know if you say your name as Marina or Morena. I don't know. We love you, though. It's a M-A-R. E-N-A, and that a is how Marina. you spell your name. <laughs> we have to do a song. A Marina. 
If that like is, the Macarena. It might even be a Marina. We are at the Marina here in Maine. What about Krista Krista? We never knew how much we missed her. And then she joined Patreon and we didn't have to miss her for so We've long. We've already done that song. <laughs> we did? Yes. <laughs> Guess we really like that song. Hey, Krista. Try you join Patreon and we'll rule our fans all week. Krista. It was with Jada. Thank you. What about Nora? Nora, Nora, you're not a Bora. Mm -hmm. I know that because I've actually met you. You're someone I went to high school with. <gasps> Nora! And I love you. Oh, Quinn, your friends are coming down hot. Yeah. Mine, I got a cousin, I got a mom. Speaking of which, actually, we haven't talked about the mom of it all. Y'all, my mom, okay, I don't, my parents are not like, we don't talk every day. And it's not because there's a lack of love. We just don't talk on the phone. I'm not a phone person. My dad doesn't text. My mom barely texts. Like, you know, I love my parents. The amount of times I talk on the phone does not determine my love for them. So this weekend, last weekend, I went to the beach. I talked to my mom on Saturday. My sister texted me um, an overall that looks like a mom outfit that she knew I would like. I saw it and I didn't respond. I'm not the best texter. Let's just call it what it is. And Quinn just shook her head. I am not. And um, I then went to the beach on Monday, and I got so fucking sunburned. I sent pictures of it. I look like the copper tone baby. You know, when they're, like, <laughs> taking the, the bottom of the bathing suit, and it's, like, a white line. I sent Quinn a picture of that. It's pretty gruely, gruesome. And my sister called Monday night, and I didn't pick up because I was dying of sunburn and maybe was a little drunk and high. And the next morning at 7 a.m., I get a phone call from Quinn, which scared the shit out of me. Because I was, it was like, early morning it was vibes. early in the morning. And I was like, is everything okay? Like, I literally opened my eyes to buzzing. And Quinn was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah. She's like, Carrie, you got to call your mom. My mom, because she hadn't talked to me on Saturday, I didn't respond to a text from my sister on Sunday. And I didn't answer a call on Monday. My sister called my mom Monday night and was like, have you heard from Carrie? My mom said, I haven't heard from her since Saturday. They did not know I was at the beach. From 10.30 at night to 4 in the morning, my mom started freaking out. I get a text from my mom at 4 in the morning. I'm asleep. I get a call from my sister at like 11.30. I was asleep, sunburn. They freak out so much so that my mom goes on my Facebook and she's like, I got Quinlan's name. She's like, she finds Drew Quinn on Facebook. And she and messaged me. Messages you going, have you heard from Carrie? Then Quinn, because anxiety is I contagious. I since Saturday. Either. Exactly. And neither had Jordan. But I was convinced at that point that you had unfortunately <laughs> expired an untimely end. So, again, anxiety is fucking contagious. Mom then contacts Quinn. Quinn then calls me, and I get to Quinn, and then I she's like, Kara, you got to call your mom. It's not like my mom even tried calling me, like, more than once. That's the thing. It's like... Skip straight to me. I appreciate that. She did, and she did the same thing I did once. give her my number so she doesn't have to reach out to me on Facebook <laughs> Messenger. I also... My mom has my location because she's done this once before where she freaked out. Mm. So she follows my location. Mm-hmm. So I go, Mom, I was at home. You know my location. I was at home. She goes, yeah, but what if you fell? What if and I go, I, 
Okay. Yeah. What if? What if I poison myself? Yeah. So. So. Anyway, anxiety is contagious, and I'm sorry I stressed you out. I was stressed out for all of three minutes because you picked up right away. But when you didn't answer my text, I was like, I am gonna call her and wake her up and bother. And were you a little mad at me? No. Great. Because your your tone was, you gotta call your mom. (laughs) Oh well, I'm I'm also had mom voice. You had mom voice. You gotta call. We. Yeah, I was like, mom's worry. <laughs> to all you moms out there, you're not alone. My mom knows my location and still, I thought that her knowing my location would like avert that crisis. Mm-hmm. It did not. I have to tell you um, what I did last week before we came out here because I think you'd get a kick out of it. Yeah. Um, you know my friend Rebecca? Of course. She's my friend too, but I get it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to call her my friend for the purposes of <laughs> she likes me more. Um, I think that's fair. I did drive her car when she got married. So count that. Oh, I remember that. But I was invited to the wedding. You were invited. Exactly. You, I showed you were hired. The, you were I was hired. Help, but I was a guest. That was weirdly stressful for the record. <laughs> that was beyond stress. Me driving a car. Because I didn't know where to Karen go. Karen was calling me all night asking me questions. So I feel like I drove the car, but... You actually did more work. I should have split the fee. You should have gotten 10% like an agent fee. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's the situation. She is Danish, as you may know. I do. And um, I always almost call her Dutch. Shows how little I know about the world and how it works. Well, it is Holland is Dutch and then Swedish. Daneland is Danish. Danish. Denmark, not England. I said Sweden. Swede, it's Swedes. Holland or Swedish, is Dutch. I believe. I think she's she's Danish. Danish. She's from Denmark. So, like a Danish, she's Danish, mm-hmm. and she was like, "There's a company in Danish that <laughs> Danland that does this um, <laughs> immersive thing that I think you'd be into. Let's go do it." And she sent me instructions. The name of the show is Stalker. And you, the requirements are this. They live uh, audio stream the show at 9 o'clock p.m. in Daneland every night. And that's like 3 p.m. New York time. So you can do it any day at 3 p.m. And all you need is two people with iPhones in their headsets um, so that you can listen to it. And they say go somewhere where you're kind of alone, like not a super busy wall traffic place and go somewhere where there's a lot of space to walk. So we met in Prospect Park and we kind of tried to off-road so it'd be like a little less busy. Um, So we listened to this. It's about an hour long audio stream. You each have to pick one of you's alpha, one of you's beta and your sound, although it is completely synced up, has differences. And they show you that at the beginning by being like, like I was beta and it would be like Alpha's about to stand. How did you feel about And then she alpha? would stand. I mean, I gave her Alpha because I am Alpha. Mm, you know what I mean? Totally. So I was like, you she should be type. Alpha. Let's Love. mix it up. So it would be like Alpha's about to stand and I'd see her stand and it'd be like, follow Alpha. And we'd start walking. And then it would be like, now stop. And we'd both stop at the same time. Which was kind of cool because there would be certain physical things we were doing, like stopping at the same time or bending to pick something up at the same time, that I just thought looked kind of cool. If you were an outsider, it would be really creepy to see these two people walking side by side, not speaking to each other. And then they'd stop at the same time and just freeze and be like, 
and I you look know. like a stalker. Yeah, and I looked like a stalker because a lot of the time they were having me follow like three feet, six feet behind her. <gasps> um, I think what was the most interesting, I'll tell you my two favorite parts of it. It was mm-hmm. kind of um, uh, an experiment almost in what our minds do. Okay, so my favorite was that at one point they say to you, I want to get to know you better. I want to learn what you want in life. And they start going through a series of questions that says things like, do you want to be happy? And you both, and you're supposed to raise your hand. So we'd both raise our hands and it would say, do you hope that if you have children that they have a peaceful existence? And you'd both raise your hands. Then it would say something like, do you want to be rich? And I would raise my hand and notice that Rebecca hadn't. Um, Do you want to be famous? And I would raise my hand and notice Rebecca hadn't. That sort of tracks for me. Right. As far as our personalities go. Well, in but Dane, when had, they have, like, social programs that you don't need to be rich to exactly. enjoy. But she had kind of a funny reaction to me raising my hand. Like, she seemed sort of surprised. And I was like, oh, I guess we're getting to know each other. And then it said, do you want to, have you ever thought about killing the person that you're with? And she raised her hand. And then it was like, are you thinking about killing them right now? And she kept her hand up. And that's when I realized you got different things. we have different audio. So they're messy. When I was raising my hand to say I want to be rich, I'm sure it said, like, do you want to kill your friend? So she's seen what we're seeing. It's tricking oh, us cool. to distrust each other, right? And it, it kept trying to kind of pit us against each other throughout the hour by saying things like, you can't trust Alpha. Alpha wants to, f- to find this thing without you or whatever. The... The baseline story is really loose. It's that you're about to walk into, like, the other. It's essentially like we're going to go into this other dimension together. And one thing they do is they say, pick up a rock and wait a minute, and then you're going to throw it. Watch very carefully. If the rock disappears or if anything seems weird about how it lands, don't continue because it'll be dangerous. And you do all this, and then you're like, it's fine, and we continue. And they're like, you're now in the other. If you see people, they're not really there. And it's it kind of creates this whole fake landscape for you to explore. And then it recalls you watching The Rock and says things like, are you sure nothing was weird about it? Did it make a sound when it hit the ground? Or did the sound come a few seconds after? Are you sure you're safe? Like that kind of thing. And, and it, it just it had all this sort of world of possibility of what you can do cool. when you're in someone's ear and we're relying on you as a narrator. Another thing it did, I'll probably cut some of this, but I do want to tell you this other thing. It did a thing where there was a dog following me and I could hear it. And it told me it was a manifestation of all my problems. And it made me make a finger gun and kill the dog. But it kept saying, like, you're not killing an animal. You're killing all your problems manifested as this dog. But it, meanwhile, had given Rebecca this whole story about how this was her dog. So she watches me kill this imaginary dog. And to her, it's her dog. Oh, my God. So it was this, like... It feels so black mirror. Yeah, and it was this kind of experiment of trusting your narrator and trusting each other and... Uh, creating a reality together and all this stuff and it was totally free and it happens at so anytime you want to do it you can just get a friend and go anywhere you can be in any state 
Um, Love that. And it streams free every every day at 9 p.m. Daneland time. 9 p.m. Daneland time. Um, that's incredible. Yeah, I had to tell you, though, because it was really a strange experience to have walking through the park. Yeah. And having people kind of look at us while we're, like, fake shooting each other and stuff. While you were telling that story, mm. I had an itch on my shoulder. Yeah. And um, I think it's it's happened. I've started peeling. Oh, good. Well, we knew we had to get there eventually. I didn't want to get there. Just Avino, baby. This segment was brought to you by Avino. I wish we could just do ads and then send them an invoice. <laughs> Can't we? Is it? Wait, let's see. I'm gonna. Let's I'm, try it. I'm Maybe take... that's a technique no one's thought of. You go first, first to first to first. You know what I'm gonna go, go ahead second? and do? What? The Vallejo Gone Girl case. Great. You're gonna. Die? Your brain is gonna melt when I tell you this story. So I got my my information from ABC News. Heard of it? People. Never. We use it. We love oh, it. Oh, you mean current events? That is so bullshit. It's called a current... It is a current event. It is a current event, but come on, people. You're not a current event magazine. That's like Time. That's like The New Yorker. How dare you? I, I just, It's a celebrity gossip rag with some crime mixed in, which we love. That sounds like a description of you. A period? <laughs> Celebrity, celebrity gossip rag, gossip rag. <laughs> um, San Francisco Gate. A couple of the authors I'm going to credit are Sean Dooley and Emily Wynn for ABC News. Here's the story. Aaron Quinn. How confusing is that? <sighs> Don't do the story. Don't do it. <laughs> I have to. I'm sorry, but I have to. <laughs> Aaron Quinn and Denise Huskins meet each other in 2014 in Vallejo, California. They're both physical therapists, and they are instantly, like, checking each other out. We're attracted. Aaron, though, he just got burned. He was engaged. His fiance cheated on him. Mm. It ended. So it's like, is he ready? Maybe, maybe not. Right. They do start seeing each other. And several months in, Denise finds out that Aaron has been texting with his ex fiance, And not just, like, how are you? But, like, I miss you stuff. Mm. Like, should we get back together vibes? She's like, nope, no, not okay, not cool. And he's like, hey, you're right. I fucked up. Let's get together. Let's figure out our next move. Let's have, like, a relationship talk. They meet in Vallejo. They get pizza. They start chatting. There is a lot of love there. Mm -hmm. They want to make the damn thing work. So they're like, you know what? Let's put the past in the past. Let's move forward together and let's do this thing. Right off into the sunset. Um, so she's spending the night at his place that night. And it's like midnight. They've done the thing. They've had their pizza. They've talked all night. Time to go to bed. Three in the morning. They wake up to a voice in the room saying, wake up. This is a robbery. We're not here to hurt you. Oh. They open their eyes and kind of see, like, beams scanning the wall. Different kind of beams. Like, not just flashlight, but, like, those little uh, red... What Lasers? Are yeah, like, scary. Like, like gun. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, sniper rifles. Yeah, yeah, situations. yeah. Um, so they just freeze. Like, they're terrified. And a voice 
tells Denise to tie up Aaron. So she has to tie his feet and hands with zip ties. And then they walk her to the closet and they tie her up and they bring Aaron to the closet. There, they get swim goggles put on their faces that have tape on them. So, like, imagine how good that is for, like, can't see shit vibes. Um, They also get headphones put in their ears. And audio starts to play. Pre-recorded. Oh, my God. And it's a podcaster trying to get new listeners. No, Join I'm just account. kidding. It's just this is podcast. how dark. This is how and it's truly desperate dark people can briefly. become. Um, the audio says, I'm going to sedate you. If you don't cooperate with me in, in giving you something to sedate you, then I'm going to have to inject you with it. So just take what I give you. Let's be a team here. What's really weird about the audio, though, is that the person who made the audio, like I said, obviously recorded it ahead of time. That's how audio works. And uses Aaron's name. So it's so, so specifically targeting them. It's their attack. Like, this this is not like a random. And it's not like that's the house we're going to rob. Let's go in and see who lives there. It's It's like like they know who lives there. This is Aaron who is there and we will. Oh, fuck. Then suddenly, during this, something weird happens where the intruder is like, um, we have a problem. And then says to Aaron, does this girl, Denise, look like your ex-fiance? And Aaron's like, yeah, they both have long blonde hair. And the guy doing this stuff says, we got the wrong intel. Almost like they... They were there for the ex-fiance. Yeah. But Denise was there instead, and they're surprised by that. So it feels like presumably they're there because of some connection with her. And isn't that... Because they had just broken up. Like, he has moved into this relationship right on the coattails. You hope that at that point they would be like, sorry, our bad. (laughs) We're going to bounce. No such luck. They say to Denise... We're going to take you for 48 hours, and we're going to ask that Aaron do a few things for us. They move Aaron downstairs to a couch, and there he says to Aaron, like, I'm putting in a a webcam, basically, so that I can watch you and monitor you, and you need to keep it here. And if you call the cops, I will kill her. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he's like, are you comfy? Which is a weird follow-up question in a situation like this. And Aaron's like, actually, I'm pretty chilly. <laughs> kind of cold in here. And the guy's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm wearing a wetsuit, so I didn't know it was cold in here. I'll get you a blanket. What? The implication in reading about this happening is that there is more than one person. Totally. In the space. And that's also what Denise says her impression is, even though she's blindfolded and has no sense but she feels like at one point before she was blindfolded she saw more than one set of legs um so a bad guy says to Aaron oh also I created a special email just for you and I to communicate on and you should um communicate with me there I'm gonna need you to call out sick right away and call her out sick so that no one's the wiser And you're obviously, I know you know this is going to be my next thing, but you're going to need to get me a bunch of money. So you should get on that. Okay, we good? Okay, bye. 
and he takes Denise, puts her in the trunk of Aaron's car, and leaves. Aaron takes the goggles off and is sitting there on the couch trying to process what the fuck just happened. And then he's like, I feel really weird out because he was sedated. sedated. He wakes up, feels so drugged. Like, yeah, I think adrenaline knows something's wrong, so wakes him. But he's still like should be asleep because he's so on drugs and he's kind of in this haze and he manages to do what he was asked and call in sick for him, call in sick for Denise, and then he sleeps again. He wakes up, it's 11.30 in the morning. He has texts and emails now from the bad guy that says, we want two payments of, are you ready for this? How much? $8,500. That's it? Isn't that crazy? 17000 total, which in today's money, y'all, is $17,000. Because $17, <gasps> this whole thing goes down in March 2015. What the fuck? So Aaron writes them back. He doesn't get a response. And he's like, now what? Now what the fuck do I do? What do I do? What do I do? His brother works for the FBI. So he's like, they said I can't call the police, but maybe family doesn't count. (laughs) He calls his brother and is like, what should I do? They said not to call the cops. And his brother is like, what? Call the cops. (laughs) So it's been nine hours since she was taken at this point. And he does call the cops. They show up and are like... But he has a webcam on him. Mm-hmm. <sighs> she does it. Okay. I, I don't know text if he has to do I would it. text my brother and be like, call the police, tell them this situation. I think that's probably what he does. Okay. Because when um, cops come, I'd be like, don't come because I don't want them do to do come and they're like... They come in and they're like, uh... And they unplug the camera. And they look at him and they're like, are you on drugs? And Aaron's like, yes. A thousand percent. <laughs> totally on drugs. They gave me drugs. And then it's so weird. They kind of judge him for, and I can really relate to this. They sort of like pass judgment on him because of all his recycling of beer bottles. Oh, God. Isn't that crazy? No judgment from me, Aaron. I've been there. <laughs> I have a housemate who owns a wine store. So our recycling looks particularly... Wine, wine, vino, vinotastic, in vito veritas. It's very wine forward. It's wine Our friendly. recycling. A house um, is a wine friendly house. It's past capacity. So they're like, come with us to the station and, oh, ready for the detective's name? Yeah, duh. Detective Mustard. Come on. Isn't that great? Get real. So he's like, we're going to ask you questions. We're going to take DNA. We want to take your clothes. And he's like, yep, sure. And they're like, here's these prison clothes to wear that's pretty aggressive that's right what the police give him yeah okay it's not making him feel great no it doesn't sound like i mean again when the police come in and the first thing this i understand we should be skeptical of people calling we've done cases like this but also like a woman is missing here and he's probably suspect number one truly Completely. but like come on we gotta well, have some decor so he's like let me tell you about the audio track and the headphones let me tell you about the goggles they put on me with tape and they're like why don't you tell us about your relationship with yeah. Denise yeah. and he's well, like that's not important sounds like they've gotten their peepers peeped to a certain <laughs> fucking idea and nothing and gonna get in their way yeah completely um, and it's irritating for him because imagine he's so worried about her and he's like, let's figure out who did this. And they're like, were you in a fight? And he's like, stop. Like, it's not important. So 
Ugh. Anyway. You mean you put a book on tape? <laughs> They're like, going we on? don't believe you. Like, they pretty much tell him. Let's change perspective for a minute from Aaron to Colonel Mustard, right? Right. He's got a long list of suspicious shit in front of him. Uh, totally. To his eyes. One thing they found was a blood stain on Aaron's sheets. It's really small, but it is blood. Seems pretty benign. I have a blood stain on my sheets, by the way, from an overly itchy bug bite, so whatever. But they also know about how, like, he cheated on her, basically, right? And then he invited her over. Totally. And then she went missing. Like, we know that narrative. He called in sick for her. Mm, You know? But he also called the cops. I don't know. They are... They're looking at Aaron. They don't like what they see. They give him a polygraph baby shower game. He fails. Um, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then they're like, are you experimenting with drugs? Are you into weird sex stuff? Always with the weird sex the stuff. The cops always want there to they be weird sex They want there to be weird Can sex? you blame them? No, it's salacious. It's fun. We all love Law & Order SVU. I mean, I get it. I get it. Are there that many cases where stuff happened because of weird sex stuff, though? You would think there are a lot based on how much the cops ask that question. Totally. Where they're like, was it weird sex stuff gone wrong? Please tell us it is. And you're like, no, it's an expired license. After, get this, 18 hours of interrogation. 18 hours? Aaron is like doubting himself. And we've seen this before, right? He starts to be like, maybe I'm schizophrenic. Maybe I had a crazy breakdown and I did something to her. Which is so scary, but like 18 hours, it's... you see it all the time. They're wearing him down. They're convincing him he's behind it. And he's starting to believe them. He's starting to be like, is she dead? Did I do it? What's going on? The next day, though, they get a call. I guess this is called um, a proof of life message. So it's a call from Denise. And in the call, she says something that's happening right then. So that right. they know that it's not outdated audio of like, I'm okay. It's like audio being like I'm okay and right now on the news this is happening do you know what I mean totally um they bring Aaron back and they're like we want you to talk to the kidnapper we took your phone from you here it is let's talk to the kidnapper because they were so damn sure that Aaron is the one that did this before and that she was probably dead they had the fucking phone on airplane mode (gasps) so when they shift it to have him call, there are missed calls and texts from the kidnapper. Oh, They're so fucking lucky she's alive because, like, what the fuck? Thank God they didn't kill her when he didn't answer those calls. Totally. The kidnapper, crazy enough, is true to his word and releases her 48 hours after taking her. Drops her off, tells her to count to 10, and then she can take this, like, tape he put on her eyes, off her eyes. She does, and she finds herself in Huntington Beach, California, which she kind of recognizes right away because she happened to grow up there. And she's like, I know this street. Um, The kidnapper even had taken bags with her that were hers and has them on the ground, like, next to her. She, like, picks up her bags. She's been sedated, so she's kind of stumbling out of it. She... 
borrows a phone, calls her dad. He doesn't pick up. So she just goes to um, his house. There's a neighbor there that lets her in. She waits. Her dad gets the voicemail that she's okay. Calls the police. The police arrive to his house to meet her. Obviously, they have a bunch of questions for her. And she keeps two things secret from them. One is that the kidnapper seems to have been someone that was in the military. And the other is that the kidnapper raped her. Those were things that the kidnapper told her to never tell and to keep private and said that if they got out, they would know and they'd come after her and her family. She's not ready. She's pretty fucking mind fucked from the whole thing. Oh my God. Traumatized. Yes, to see the fucking release. So her folks come to see her. Her cousin comes to see her, who's an attorney. And um, what Colonel Mustard says next, according to this attorney, is we'll give immunity to whoever confesses first to making this whole thing up. Meaning Denise and Aaron. No. The way they treat Denise from the start is, is like you're she's the fucking she's problem. Like, the way they're treating her, she's like, I don't trust you. Oh, I know it's your I fun. need to get a defense attorney right away is the way they're treating her. My God. The media starts calling it like the gone girl. Because I don't know if you read Jillian Flynn's yeah, Gone Girl. I did. But they're basically, yeah. Did you see the movie starring Ben Affleck's penis? I didn't see his penis. I think I saw it when it was in syndication. But I've oh, heard good no. things. No, that was the point of the movie. I've heard you actually great things. I don't know how you missed his penis because Jennifer Lopez, good for you. Go back to it. Listen, I She's get She's going it. back to it. For the record, I get it. So the authorities, um, they're not keeping it cool. They're like openly saying that we think this was orchestrated. And there's a press conference and the Vallejo police are, say, Mr. Quinn and Miss Huskins have plundered valuable resources away from our community and taken the focus away from the true victims of our community while instilling fear among our community members. So if anything, it is Mr. Quinn and Miss Huskins that owe this community an apology. Can I just say for the record, I hope she gets a fucking payout for wrongful fucking for accusations, for slander. I hope she fucking gets, like, huge settlement. Personally, she's been fucking kidnapped and raped. Yeah, so she says to her attorney, she's like, so here's the thing. I was so scared when I got kidnapped that I was going to get raped that I actually ended up confiding in my kidnapper about being molested as a kid because I thought by explaining that to him, he might understand and maybe something inside him would see another human being and spare me. But he didn't. He raped me twice and he filmed it. And he said that the tape was collateral so that I wouldn't talk, that he would like release the tape. And he said he was in part, that he was part of a criminal organization of like him and three other people and that they were all in charge of different parts of the operation and Basically, this was the part he was in charge of, so he had to do it. Like, he's spinning this story that's like, I'm so sorry, but it's actually my job to rape you. I'm shaking my head. That's so gross. So, the lawyers, the lawyer, when he hears this, is like, 
but we need to do a rape kit right away. The police are like, mm, okay, but like not right now. You know what? Just have her go to bed in her clothes, try to leave everything as is, and we'll do it tomorrow. Just don't take a shower or anything. Oh my God, Vallejo police, fuck you. Fuck you sideways. That's the most monstrous thing I have ever heard. They're trying to destroy the evidence because they don't want to fucking see another possibility. It's disgusting. Denise says, you go through something like that in every moment, every ounce of energy is about how do I live to see another second? That's all you can think about. The last thing that you're thinking about is if I do survive, I need to make sure I'm believable. Unreal. The kidnapper sees all this on the news that they think it's a hoax. And I don't know if it's they have to actually have feeling bad for them or if their ego gets the best of them. But they send a message with details about the kidnapping that only an insider would know. <gasps> Even photos of like the room Denise was held in and stuff. The police are not moved by this. So it's been a week. That is, but that is so crazy and weird. I think that the person that did it was maybe even like, wait, I want credit. No, no, I did it. Credit <laughs> yeah. and copy. <laughs> copy and credit. Um, it's been a week. And amidst all this chaos, believe it or not, Aaron and Denise have not yet been reunited. So finally they are. And they're just like, holy shit. And they hold each other. And they cry. Ugh. On June 5th, A few months later, the police in Dublin, California, which is just south of Vallejo, get a report of a home robbery. And the suspect had tried super similar stuff. He tried to tie up the wife, though, and the husband jumped across the room and tackled him. And he tried to get away and hits the husband with a big flashlight, one of those like mag light things, and runs out of the house but left his phone in the house. (gasps) So the police trace the phone and they get this woman's house and they go there and she's like, oh yeah, my son just lost his phone. Her son is Matthew Muller. He was a U.S. Marine for five years, graduated summa cum laude from Pomona College, then went to Harvard Law School And the mom's like, oh, yeah, my son, he's uh, staying at our cabin in Lake Tahoe. So they're like, I guess we need to go to Lake Tahoe. Are you fucking kidding me? This is such a, um, this whole story has such uh, cinematic characters in it. The next one I'm going to introduce is Misty Misty Carusu. Carusu? Carusu. Misty was a day from being made detective. And she's like, yeah, I'll take this case. This case of this woman that, whatever. Colonel Mustard, step aside. There's a new detective in town. She doesn't actually say that, though, because at the time, they don't know what each other are doing because it's two different police departments not communicating. Right. So she doesn't know about uh, Denise and Aaron right now. And Colonel Mustard doesn't know about this case uh, happening. With the phone in the house. And Correct. The husband with the mag light. Okay. Exactly. 
She takes the lead, though, on this case and goes to this home in Lake Tahoe, and she finds out Mueller's driving a stolen car. They find several laptops, cell phones, stun guns, ski masks, squirt guns with laser pens taped to them (gasps) to make that little red light. Yeah. Goggles with duct tape on them. One of the pairs of goggles has blonde hair in the duct tape, which doesn't match Mueller's hair. It doesn't match even the victims that she was just talking to. And she's like, oh, shit. This guy probably has more victims. She searches his name in a database and sees that he was a person of interest in a couple things that happened in Palo Alto and Mountain View in 2009. Um, basically an unknown man breaking into homes and threatening women that he was going to rape them. She finds out that the car was stolen around the time of a kidnapping. It's the kidnapping of this girl in Vallejo, Denise. She calls the Vallejo police and is like, hey, I want to talk about this. They find the address where Denise was dropped off by her kidnapper in Huntington and it registered on that car's, that stolen car's GPS, like it had been there. Whoa. Then they just find a bunch of other evidence that fucking corroborates. So Mueller is charged in federal court in Sacramento with kidnapping for ransom. He pleads guilty to the kidnapping charge and he's sentenced to 40 years in prison. And then after that, he gets charged in Solano County with kidnapping for ransom, two counts of forcible rape, robbery, burglary, false imprisonment, and he pleads not guilty. Jesus. Aaron and Denise totally think that there's other people involved that haven't been caught, that he wasn't alone. They still don't know why they were chosen. They still don't know why they were targeted. Why that he knew their names. Mm-hmm. And that he was looking for Aaron's ex fiance to kidnap, but kidnapped Denise instead, it seems like. <sighs> Denise and Aaron's lawyers are like, hey, cops. Hey, Detective Mustard, do you want to like apologize? Maybe apologize. And the Vallejo police chief, Andrew Bidu, writes a private letter of apology to them, a private letter, and says, oh, the department's definitely going to do a public apology after Mueller's indicted. Nothing. Never happens. I would sue them. I would fucking sue them for as much money as I could. Well. For all the therapy that she's going to need and, like, lack of trust in her life. Absolutely. Um, Three years ago, though, I want to let you know that they did get married. Denise and Aaron. Good. They had a little girl named Olivia. And their security system is bumping. (laughs) Lots of baby monitors in that room. Totally. She was born five years to the day (gasps) that Denise was released by Mueller. Wow. I'm glad they have a new date. I'm really glad they have a new date for, like, to celebrate the baby being born. Well, you would celebrate both, I'd imagine, because it... I'm sure she thought she was going to die. I mean, totally. if you were kidnapped and raped, Beyond. Then you're not expecting the kidnapper to then release you. No. She says you can go through any kind of trauma to where it leaves you devastated and in a place where you just think, 
this is impossible to move forward from. What do I do next? I think ours is an example of that. There is hope. It might take time and it might take a lot of hard work, but there is hope. And that is the story of the Vallejo Gone Girl case. That is an incredible story. I'm so glad you found that. That's insane. How did you find that? I don't remember. I think reading something else that referenced it that was like the Gone Girl case and I was like Gone Girl was not based on a real thing and it wasn't based on a real thing it was referred to it happened after and they called it Gone Girl because they thought it was staged the $17,000 ransom is so insane to me well it's also weird I think it's just a guy that wants to he he went to Harvard he's at a home in Lake Tahoe I don't think he needs money I think he's raping I think it's about power. I think it's about power over women and raping them. Totally. And I think it's like a fantasy where he's part of some sort of... I don't know. It's so disturbing. It's so disturbing. Yeah. I would like to hear more about um, what they found out since then because I'm so curious about whether he worked alone or not or whether there's any indication that he did work with others. Denise and Aaron, I'm really sorry that happened to you and Vallejo Police Department. I think I already said this, but I'm just going to double down on fuck you. Go fuck yourself. And go fuck yourself, police. Go fuck you. Is that what you just said? Yeah. I don't know. I got to go. <laughs> I, I, you honestly, have to stay and do a story, actually. What I was doing is I was looking at my story going, well, which one should I do? And I think the one that I'm going to do, I was inspired by looking up. So I was curious about people who've died on stage Mm. I was fascinated at the idea of like because I and here I'll tell a personal story I was not there but I heard about it from the person going through with it where I was an actor at the Flea Theater and they were doing a play called um, Seven Deadly Sins Mm -hmm. I think that's what it was called it was but a friend of ours I don't know if we say his name but he was in a play and the crazy thing is in the play they were reenacting um what were they acting? It was like um, Greek mythology, right? It was like a, they were doing like the myths, basically. But it's like a seven-hour play or It was like a right? seven-hour play. And I don't know. I was not obviously at this performance, but what happened... Or any performance. I would I, never sit through a seven-hour show. I was in a five-hour show. But it had appetizers and drinks included. For the actors as well. No. We got paid no money and we had to work. It was the <laughs> Flea Theater baby. That makes sense. And... Um, what happened was is there were like a chorus like a greek chorus if you will and they were dressed up as nurses right Mm -hmm. so what happens is is seth is doing this and he's at this like apex moment in obscene and he collapses he passes out he's out he starts to get blue and and the play they would break the fourth wall which is to say they would communicate with the audience and so there was oh a moment where the nurses, the chorus who's dressed as nurses, start calling for a doctor. And it takes them a minute for people to realize this isn't the fucking play. There is a 20-year-old having a heart attack on stage. Thank God. He knocked out his teeth when he fell. He did? Mm-hmm. Or they had to take them out. I can't remember if they, they like intubated fell him out or, something. or if it was for intubating him that they took them out. But I know that when my sister went to visit him in the hospital, she sent me pictures of them together and he had no front teeth. 
He's okay. Spoiler he's everybody. Alert. He's totally okay. But like, he had a fucking heart attack in the middle of a show, and like calling for a doctor in this like hundred seat theater. Thank God there was a doctor there, and he got to the hospital and he was okay. And of course, I think the venue that wasn't paying its actors were so worried because they overwork their actors to the bone and they don't pay them, so you have to work a job on top of it. It's a fucking ratchet. It needs to be disbarred. Anyway, moral of the story, he's okay, but I was curious as to people that have actually died on stage, so I'm going to go... I Literally, I've only gotten my source from Wikipedia and I took some stories of people dying on stage and I wanted to share them with you. I would love to hear them. Really? Of course. I'm actually super fascinated because and like theater's back so let's because like everything about live theater is like anything can happen like mistakes are so fun people forget in their lines like and you real roll people. with it and you roll with it like improv we love it but like imagine oh and I'll tell my story personally I was at a choir concert growing up and um it was like a multi-school choir concert and so there were three schools and we all took turns performing And at one point, there was this school that was playing We Are the Music Makers. And in the piano accompaniment, you needed to have four hands instead of the traditional two hands that humans have. So they needed an extra (laughs) piano player. Go on. And I remember there was this big hoopla where it was like, and we're welcoming back our retired faculty. And it was like this little old woman came and was playing We Are the Music Makers, right, with this other woman. The two of them are at the piano, and they're playing the piano, and I'll never forget it. A woman went, like, stopped playing and just, like, keeled over. And then they took her out, and, of course, all these high schoolers are in our choir robes. Kids sat down. They were crying on the stands. They closed the curtain, and you hear this woman being defibrillated. Like, charge. Like, from that, it was wow so horrifying. It also makes me it makes me so uncomfortable. It like gives me the church giggles vibes. You know what I mean? Where you're like, oh my god, like I can't believe, like I'll never forget that mental image of her. And she was okay. They told us. Who the fuck knows? I don't wow. have the church giggles, but like it was. I'll, yeah, that was that sound and seeing her was really traumatizing. My closest thing would be I was playing a young stepmom and I was abusive of the teenage daughter, Mm -hmm. but we were like close in age and we were on stage together and um, I'm supposed to break a teacup and she's supposed to pick it up and um, she cut her hand during the performance and she looked up at me and like we made eye contact in this way where she's like, I'm not okay. And I had to keep cursing at her and finish the scene while she was bleeding profusely. And we just, like, kind of sped through the last part of the scene. We went backstage, and she was like, I'm bleeding so much. And I was like, you'll be okay. We had to, like, tape up her hand and stuff and go back out and finish the show. Because that is the style. You are, like... You just, like, go You would never be like, I'm going to go to the hospital and get stitches. You'd be like, let's throw a piece of tape on this and finish this extremely important thing we call the theater. The theater. And because theater is coming back soon, I figure... Let's tell some crazy stories. I'm going to go back to 1817. There was this guy, Mr. Cummings is all I know. Mr. Cummins is the name. Cummins. Cummins. Alan Cummins. Coming when you die. Coming when you die. It's coming when you die. (laughs) Please like that episode. That was the best giggle I think we've ever had. (laughs) So he died on stage while in a play, and he had a heart 
condition that he died from, but his last words on stage were, may such befall me at my latest hour, and then he died. That is your latest hour. Crazy. 1888, Frederick Federici was singing the last note as um, uh, Mephistopheles in Faust. In not Melbourne. in cats. Not in not Mr. Mephistopheles. <laughs> okay, it was okay, okay. Mephistopheles. I don't know. He was singing the last line in Faust, and he, he disappears through a trapdoor. While he's falling down a trapdoor, he has a heart attack <gasps> and he dies. So by the time he died, like he like falls through the trapdoor, heart attack, dies. Whoa. 1897, Armand Castlemary, he was performing at the Met, and he was, like, incredibly, he was doing, like, an awesome acting performance. He collapses. I wish you were a reviewer, Carrie. Like, I wish you were a critic, so you'd be like, awesome acting performance. He was doing something fucking rad. I don't know, but it was, like, the moment in the thing where he collapses, and the audience is, like, so in it with him that they are like, oh! Incredible acting performance moment. (laughs) The curtain drops. The audience rises. They're clapping. And the curtain opens. And he's still lying. He's dead. Could you imagine giving a standing O and then realizing... You're giving it to a corpse? A corpse. Jesus. 1904. Emil Hazda. He's a Polish actor. He was in an acting company. He fell in love with this woman and he proposed to her and she rejected him. And he is going through his bows, his curtain calls, and he takes six curtain calls. On the very last one, he pulls out a gun and he shoots himself. Mm. Oh my God. That reminds me so much of the woman that you did. Yeah, she was on this list. Obviously, I didn't include her. What's her name? Christine Chubbuck. Yeah. 1943, Alexander Wolcott, he was on a panel on CBS radio. Mm -hmm. He's discussing Hitler. I imagine him like a little bit like crossfire, like aggressive yelling, like really aggro kind of reporter news guy Mm -hmm. in um, 1943. And he's talking, but earlier in the podcast, he was like, I'm not really feeling very well. And then all of a sudden this like aggressive candor dies down and the listeners were like what's going on this is so weird meanwhile he writes on a post-it note i am sick he stops talking he's helped out of the radio he goes to the hospital and dies a few hours later i can't imagine listening to something and being like where's the aggressive guy he's like in a hospital dying whoa Oof. 1958 katsuki hiromi She was in a performance in Japan. She was on a stage lift. Her clothes were caught in the stage lift, and her body was ripped in two. Oh, my God. That's so intense. Beyond. Same year, 1958. Not a great year for deaths on stage. (laughs) Comedian Harry Einstein who is the father of Albert Brooks and Bob Einstein. I don't know how that works out, but it is. Comedy it's like Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen. And and Estevez. Estevez. Sure, let's go for it. So he's at the Friar Club. Have you been to the Friar Club? No. In New York? I have. I okay. did a weird improv 
gig there at a Friar Club, which was pretty funny. And I was at the Friar Club. They're at the fr- He's at the Friar Club. He's roasting Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. He's like Fun. giving him a what? Who wouldn't love to fucking be there? He performs. He gets a bunch of laughs. He goes to sit down. He fucking collapses and dies on Milton Berle. <gasps> Whoa, that's a really crazy party to be at. Wild. Desi Arnaz, Milton Berle. I mean, he does a whole bit. Bye. 1960, this guy Leonard Warren, he's singing at the Met Opera. He sings an aria. I think it's like second act and he's going to sing his... his um. The third, the, in the third act, he's doing. He's going to. He's going to sing, and he kills the first aria. He's going to perform a second aria, which is entitled "Morir Tremenda Cosa," which begins "To die a momentous thing." As soon as he starts to sing, he starts coughing and gasping for breath. He falls face first into the ground, and he dies of a massive heart attack. About to sing "To die." A momentous thing. What? Wild, right? Crazy. Oh, this one I had to say just because I'm going to probably have to look up some more information on it. 1969. There's a country music singer. His name is Spade Cooley. He's doing a benefit concert. This is... He dies backstage. That's not the fucking meaty part of this conversation. He dies backstage at a benefit concert. However, he was currently furloughed from serving a life sentence in prison to participate in this concert as a country music star for beating his wife to death in front of his daughter. What? Who's letting this guy out of fucking prison? To sing songs. To sing songs for a benefit. A benefit for what? A benefit for and men you know that killed their thank wives. Fuck, and thank fucking God, because he was scheduled to be par- paroled a couple months later. So, like, yeah, you know what? Leave, go, You know what? Die. We like this ending better for you. This is better. 1970, St. Paul, Minnesota at Crawford Livingston Theater. This guy, George Ostrazoka, he starts the second act of Macbeth as Macbeth dies. Wow. Well, you know, Macbeth, dear readers, I don't know if you know. It's but horrible luck in the theater to it's say it. bad luck. We call it the Scottish play. I We're not in the theater proper, so I felt oh, comfortable. Really? We're in a kid's nursery, to clarify. <laughs> 1972, Luther Lindsay, who is one of the first black megastars in professional wrestling, he goes and he delivers the move that wins his match he dies on top of his opponent whoa that would be really upsetting to be that other guy totally to like have someone die on top of on you top and then lost the match what's worse <laughs> what's nothing's worse it's the match. it's like your worst day 1977 do you do a zero mosto? The original Tevia from Fiddler on the Roof. Of course. To our theater goers. He's doing a preview of The, the Merchant, was in that, which is a um, Broadway-bound adaptation of Merchant of Venice. Oh, great. A pound of flesh. He gets an aortic aneurysm, and he dies during the first preview performance. Sunrise, sunset. 
The thing about Zero Monster, though, is he's, like, revered in the theater world where it's like, he played Tevia 4,000 times, and he looked at his lines before every performance. It's like, <laughs> sounds like that guy had OCD. Honestly, so I do too, but it's because I'm anxious as fuck. <laughs> that, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. That, like, he's like, before every performance. And it's like, did you just say that in an interview, interview Zero? Come on. Because you should get your brain checked if you can <laughs> remember your lines. Totally. 1984. Tommy Cooper, who's a magician and a comedian. He's a... He's in a performance um, in a variety show in London called um, Live from Her Majesty's. That's what this is called, which is a great title of a variety show. And he was known as a comedian magician for, like, getting things, like, mysteriously wrong or like comedically wrong you know like he was mm-hmm. one of those like bumbling magicians which we love that love mixed it. comedy all that stuff so I love every kind of magician but go on he gets a heart attack he collapses the audience starts laughing of course they're like thinking where's the punchline that this is a bit mm-hmm. they're laughing for almost a minute and even <laughs> Even his magician's assistant thinks that this is a bit. So she's like, I'm not in on it. He's doing it for a laugh. <laughs> the TV cuts away and does an unscheduled break, and they realize he's fucking sick. They try to revive him. He dies at the hospital. You do not later. feel good about being the audience member that laughed. It's like, but honestly, like, we've all been there where someone injures themselves. Where someone dies and we laugh by accident. (laughs) No, but, like, someone hurts themselves and you're like, and then they're really hurt. And it's like, you're like, I feel like an asshole. Yeah. 1986, Edith Webster, she has a heart attack performing her death scene in the play The Drunkard. And her role calls her to sing, please don't talk about me when I'm gone. She slumps to the floor and dies. It's so weird. It's like so weird during all these people singing scene. about their death. That's as the they wildest. It, that feels like, haunty feeling. That feels very scary. Um. Oh my god, that's so weird. Okay, 1987. Dick Sean. Which is why I started looking this up and I was like, this is a teeny tiny creepy. And then I was looking up other stories and I was like, this I whole got thing's it. a full-on creeply peeply. It's a full-on creeply peeply. Dick Sean, he's performing at the University of California in San Diego. He has a heart attack. He's like, has a heart attack, collapses. Again, the audience, he's a comedian. They think he's a bit. Mm-hmm. The audience starts heckling him because they think it's a bit and they're playing along. And they start yelling, how long is this going to go on? <laughs> or take his wallet. Oh. <sighs> Horrifying. Oh. Horrifying. For several minutes, he lied there. All of a sudden, the stage manager comes up to check on him several times before realizing we're not in a show. He, like, comes out. He's like, oh, he's fine. He comes out. He's fine. He comes out. He's fine. The doctor mm. is called from the audience. He comes up. He's performed CPR on him until the paramedics come. He was later pronounced dead at the hospital. Could you imagine... Although, although as a comedian to go out people laughing, maybe is a good thing. I don't know. 
opera singer Richard Versailles in 1996. He dies at the Met Opera in New York, which, by the way, so many people have died there in this just this list. A lot of mm-hmm. people died at the Met Opera. Um, he was doing a performance of the Macropolis case. He sings the line, Too bad you can live only so long. He gets a heart attack while standing on a sliding ladder attached to a file cabinet. He dies. <laughs> that's a very weird detail about the it's ladder. It's so weird. Default Let's be honest, that's ladder. a copy and paste, and I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. Ooh, this one's dark, dark, dark. 2000. Actor Renato De Paolo. He's in Rome. He's playing the role of Judas the day before Easter. During the hanging scene, in this play, he accidentally hangs himself. Oh, no. Playing Judas the day before Easter. Whoa. Jesus, we hear you. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't think you were that spiteful, Jesus, you know? You knew Chill, was. dude. This was an actor. It wasn't actually him. 2016. Indonesian singer Irma Buell. She's doing a performance. And she's bitten by a king cobra that she brought on stage to use as a prop. Oops. She continues to sing for 45 minutes before she collapses and dies after being bitten. The show must go on. Girl, go to a fucking hospital. Maybe she was like, this, I'm for sure going to die from this. Let's keep going. Then this is the last one that I'll do because it's recent. It's 2020. Maybe that's why there's no stories in 2020 generally because we didn't have any live performances. Maybe that's a positive we're actually thinking of. Singer-songwriter David Olney, he's in Florida. He's playing at a festival. He pauses. He's like, I'm sorry. He sits down. He puts his chin down to his chest. He stays holding his guitar. And he just dies peacefully while holding his guitar. Wow. Rough. But also, again, like... I guess he died doing, doing what, what he loved. loved. Leaving a bad review on Yelp. <laughs> Do you think that we are going to die podcasting? Again, great episode. Do we air it? I think we have to. We will not be the ones to decide, but please air it. Please air it. Let it be known <laughs> that we want it on the air. Those are some of the stories of people dying on stage in front of an audience. Well, thanks for sharing. You're welcome. I know it's a hodgepodge, but I figured it was okay. I hodgepodge all the time. I know. It's one of my favorite my forms of art. I was? I was influenced. I'm your muse? You were my, you were my actually influencer, instant influencer. Do you want to eat some chow? Chow. Let's do it. Hey, dear readers, um, we love you. Join Patreon. Stay safe. Join Patreon. Listen to your mother. Join Patreon. Call friends to make sure they know you're alive. Join Patreon. Call friends. Tell them to join Patreon. Yes. Do that. Have no friends? Join Patreon. Make friends on Patreon. Amen. We got great readers. Patreon? Come join them. Patreon. Patreon. Patreon.